Hi, welcome to my podcast, Traumatic Transformations, where we help you find hope, peace, and purpose after a big life change or a traumatic event. I'm your host, Gunjani Patel, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist, trauma specialist, and a neuroscience nerd. Join me as I dive deep into resiliency, post-traumatic growth, and normalize mental health to reduce the stigma associated with it. In each episode, I plan to deliver science-backed, actionable tips and strategies so you can take back the control over your life and be inspired to be the best version of yourself with each day forward. So tune in every Tuesday for a featured guest and every Thursday for a solo episode with me, where we unpack mind, body, brain, and spirit connections related to each episode with the featured guest. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin today. The purpose of this podcast is to inform you, educate you, and raise your awareness. It is not intended to replace any medical advice or professional help seeking that you may need. So please use this information wisely and any opinion that I cast is not to replace any medical advice. And quickly before we start today, I just wanted to ask you a favor. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe so you never have to miss an episode. Thank you so much. And if you rate and review, it would really help us with the algorithm so people can easily search the show if they would like. So I would really love to hear your feedback and what you have to say uh, so I can bring you the content that's most fit for you. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of Traumatic Transformations. I really appreciate you being here today as usual and tuning in every week, bi-weekly, to listen to these episodes and hopefully you're getting the most value out of the work that I'm doing and wanting to do to serve you better. So today we are going to discuss, after uh, our last episode with Lois, she discussed shame and guilt emotions and energy. And I really thought that it wouldn't be more appropriate to bring up this topic called emotional intelligence that I feel very close to and feel very excited about. Um, I learned that topic very de- uh, as a part of my healing process as I was growing up. I don't think we talked much about emotions, but I really think that as a part of my journey and doing what I do now, um, this is one of the concepts that I very, very, very much feel passionately about. So I really wanted to spend one whole episode on discussing, you know, what emotional intelligence is, what are the components of emotional intelligence, how you can, you know, uh, acquire that skill and learn, train yourself and practice more emotional intelligence in your life. And so how you can further teach your kids that if you do happen to have any children. Um, so, and I'm also going to talk about some of the book recommendations that I have, because I really have been researching this topic for quite some time, applying this in my life and, you know, wanting to teach this to others. So this couldn't be a better medium. So what, let's start with what is emotional intelligence? Um, If you have already learned about this and know this, then this, some of this might be repetitive, but um, I promise that I will make this value packed for you so that you can start applying this better in your life. Um, The emotional intelligence is the capacity to be aware of, 
control, and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. Being able to connect with other people, um, it's a key to both personal and professional successes. Some of the most successful people practice emotional intelligence. It's It's been a term that's been around for quite some time now. And According to uh, Doctor, I mean, according to Daniel Goleman, an American psychologist who helped to popularize emotional intelligence, um, here are the five key elements that he absolutely mentions as a part of emotional intelligence. So we're going to discuss some of them, and um, I hope that you get the most benefit of knowing what this means and how you can apply this. So the some of the components of emotional intelligence are. Self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. So people with high EQs, um, I'm going to just shorten the word emotional intelligence so I'm not, you know, it's not a long word for the sake of this episode. So people with high EQ know what they're feeling, what their emotions are mean, and how these emotions can affect other people. So one of the first components that I would like to start by discussing is, you know, self-awareness. You guys know how big I am on self-awareness. We can't experience change unless we're aware of what it is that we're trying to change. You know, we focus so badly on um, intellectual intelligence and IQ And I really think that it's just as important uh, to practice EQ in our lives and teach our kids that as early as the age of, you know, toddler, like two and a half to three years old. I really, I mean, these days it's becoming more common and popular where kids are being taught that because emotions are often, you know, popularized by calling people weak or calling women weak or, you know, if someone is too emotional, they're looked down on. And I would really like to change that culture because, again, emotions are our body's alert system of trying to warn us that there is something off. Look into this. It's nothing more than our body trying to tell us. And I'm going to elaborate more on what what that means in a bit here. So self-awareness is being self-aware means you have a very clear picture of your strengths and of your weaknesses. And it means that you are behaving with humility. So what can the what can you do to improve your self-awareness? Some of the things that you can do are, you know, keeping a journal. Journal will help you improve self-awareness. If you spend just a few minutes each day writing down your thoughts, now again, it's not something, it's not material that you have to publish out there, but it's just a way of recognizing what you are feeling in a given day and, you know, writing your thoughts down. It's just free association writing. At the end of the, in the show notes, um, I will, I have created a free tool and a worksheet for you. If you want to work through that, if you have never journaled before, it's an important skill that studies show. I'm going to do an episode on that alone and the benefits of that. But for right now, you know, journaling can really help and move you to higher degree of self-awareness. Uh, in the show notes, I'll write, give give a link to the worksheet that I've created that you're more than welcome to use. It's called a gratitude journal. And there are all these ideas and the feelings and emotions and everything, um, all inclusive, uh, you know, stuff um, that I've made so that you can better become emotionally intelligent as a part of journaling. Um, one of the other things that you can start doing is slowing down and breathing. A lot of times, you know, as a part of emotional intelligence, one of the things that I teach my patients as they're healing through trauma is just 
taking a deep breath, four seconds inhale, four seconds hold, and six second exhale, and just meditate and just focusing on the breath work. Because when you experience strong emotions like anger or sadness or anxiety, one of the best things to do is to slow down, is to examine why what sensations are you feeling in your body and what feelings are you feeling? And when you're feeling that in your body, um, it's very important that you know what to do with those emotions instead of denying it, repressing it, or, you know, pushing them away. Emotions and feelings are words often used interchangeably. And that can be an episode in itself, but I'll give, I'll leave you with this. In you know, in the words of Dr. Fansworth, while emotions are associated with bodily reactions that are activated through neurotransmitters and hormones released by the brain, and you know, neurophysiological response to what is going on in terms of a threat or in terms of a circumstance or whatever is happening in our environment. And feelings are the conscious experience of emotional reactions that occur subconsciously. So emotions are subconscious reactions and feelings are our conscious responses to the emotions. So feelings are our perception and meaning based on our beliefs, our memory, and our past experiencing experiences that we have had linked to our emotions. So they're conscious expression of emotions. There, There is an area of our brain called cingulate that is specifically designed for emotional regulation, a part of the subcortical part of our brain. It often gets dysregulated in people who have endured trauma and, you know, and, and live life through unresolved trauma. So a lot of times it'll get ticked off more easily or they'll be on edge more easily or, you know, a lot of times people when they have these deep, dark emotions underneath, such as shame, guilt, unprocessed, um, you know, disappointments, betrayal, all these feelings that they've had as a result of whatever it is that they've experienced. And if they're normally used to denying them or repressing them or pushing them away or, you know, not addressing and processing through them, then it manifests itself in, in, in terms of anger a lot of times. So when people have unresolved traumatic situations or events in their life, whatever it may be, if they've not processed or worked through those emotions, then, you know, it really manifests itself in negative ways. Um, so does, you know, it's good that you would benefit from learning emotional regulations by using some of these tools and techniques, um, some that I'm mentioning in this episode. So you, the good part is that the cingulate part of our brain can be regulated through neuroplasticity over time if you continue to do some of these things and tips and actionable tips that I'm mentioning um, so that you can you know, strengthen the emotional part of your brain um, over time. It takes practice. It's not easy. Personally, for me too, I was very dysregulated. I would get so angry all the time. And then over time, I've learned and taught myself to be aware of what's going on in my body. What am I feeling right when I'm feeling the anger about certain things? Or, you know, when I feel disappointed, when I feel deep sadness, what is going on? Where am I feeling it in my body? Where am I carrying it? What are some of the things that are happening for me before and after the events so that, you know, I can break those patterns and those um, cycles? It takes time. It's a practice. It doesn't happen overnight, but nothing good happens overnight. So just remember that if you continue to practice this, it'll be an amazing uh, game changer in your life. So according to psychologists, Paul Ekman and Wallace Fresen, 
There are six basic emotions that all humans experience. These emotional responses are happiness or joy, sadness, fear, disgust, anger or rage, and surprise. So this was determined based on conducting research on an isolated 4A tribe in Papua New Guinea in early 70s. This was a study done when rep- when presented with images of the face, um, faces that were associated with these emotions. The tribal members were able to correctly identify their corresponding emotions. And this was a, this was a data done by Management Mania in 2016. So it was quite fascinating that we have six emotional responses but we have plethora of feelings that are um, associated with these emotion responses. So feelings are mental experiences of body states, according to Antonio Damasio, the professor of neuroscience at the University of California, and the author of several books on the subject. So he explains that when when, uh, we feel certain things, uh, so feelings are our mental experiences of body states which arise as brain interprets emotions themselves. Physical states arising from bodily response to external stimuli. So the order of the events goes something like this. So if you get threatened, so you feel threatened uh, or you are, th- I'm threatened, you say to yourself, you experience fear and then you feel horror. So Im- Fear being the emotion, the situation is threatening and you feel horror as a result of this. Some of the other fear feeling words are worried, doubtful, nervousness, anxiety, terrified, panicked, horrified, desperate. Um, And many more uh, can be listed, but for the sake of this episode, I'm just going to list a few. So you get the idea of how different emotions are from feelings. And these are, you know, Dr. Sarah McKay states that emotions play out in the theater of body. Feelings play out in the theater of mind. So emotions are more subconscious in our subconscious parts of our brain, the reptilian part, part of our brain, and they're held in our body when we feel certain sensations. Uh, and then the feelings is in our mind. We give it meaning when we we are in certain situations. So really important to recognize that difference and to learn so that you can be aware of what's going on so you can learn to regulate, which brings me to our next topic, self-regulation. People who regulate themselves effectively rarely verbally attack others, make rushed or emotional decisions, stereotype people, or compromise their values. So self-regulation is all about staying in control. It's about practicing healthy boundaries, which I discuss in the episode four and the episode 10 warning. Um, Empathy without boundaries can lead to disaster. And it is, you know very crucial to practice empathy and have compassion for others um, as a part of being self-regulated. You know, people who are self-regulated, they learn to communicate effectively and articulately what they're experiencing whenever they're experiencing something instead of, you know, just criticizing or blaming others for being too emotional and implying that they're weak. 
So know what you value. One of some of the ways that you can practice self-regulation is knowing what you what's important to you now. Do you have a very clear idea of where you absolutely will not compromise? Do you know what your values are? Mo- what's most important to you? Spend some time examining what what's acceptable to you and where you draw the hard line. If you know what's important to you, then you probably won't have to think twice when you are faced with a moral or an ethical decision. You'll make the right choice. You have a very clear idea of your wise future self and how they would behave in a particularly challenging situation you're faced with as a part of learning emotional regulation. So sometimes we just act, you know, we lash out or we, you know, feel angry at people and verbally attack or criticize them. Instead, one of the best things to do is to look inward and figure out what is your future self, which is more wise, which is more put together, which is more emotionally stable. What would you do and how would you see yourself reacting in that same situation if it were to occur? And sort of break the cycles of whatever it is that you think that you could change as a part of your self-regulation and part of your self-awareness. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And that's how we evolve, right? If we keep doing the same things over and over then and expect different results, that's not going to happen. So it's really important that you know, we learn from our event or we learn from our pain points and we learn from our struggles so that we can succeed in the future about how best to handle a situation. So hold your, the, another thing that you can do as a part of self-regulation is holding yourself accountable. If you tend to blame other people when something goes wrong, just stop, take a deep pause, make a commitment to admit to your mistake and to pause, face the consequences Whatever they may be, a lot of times we let our ego and pride take over and then we regret our decisions or behaviors later. We feel guilty. We feel regretful. We feel, you know, um, we, we are shaming towards ourselves for behaving a certain way. So you'll probably sleep better at night and you'll quickly earn the respect of other people around you if you practice emotional intelligence and learn from your mistakes and do the better the next time as opposed to blaming others and not keeping yourself accountable. This is the way you can experience uncom, this way you can experience uncomfortable emotions you don't resist them, you don't deny them, you're not repressing them, or you're not dissociating from them because they are, because they, I, I found in my experience and just my work with people that they reset, they compound over time, and they just get worse when ad- unaddressed. Because emotions, again, like I was mentioning earlier, they're just our body's alert system of trying to warn us to fix a problem. If you look at things more optimistically and problem solving orientedly, then, you know, you will tend to learn more from it and you'll become better at dealing with your issues and become more intelligent. And then you can pass that forward to other people around you. So learn how to be calm in certain situations. One of the ways to um, practice self-regulation is strengthen your parasympathetic nervous system, your body's relaxation response, which is dysregulated after the traumatic event, like I was mentioning, the cingulate part of your brain. Or if you weren't taught emotional self-regulation growing up, the next time you're in a challenging situation, be very aware of how you act. Do you relieve your stress by shouting at someone? Or do you practice deep breathing exercises to learn, teach yourself calming? 
Breathing actually, when practiced consistently and done right, it changes the parts of your brain called cingulate through neuroplasticity. So also try to write down all the negative things you want to say and then rip it up and throw it away, you know, or burn that piece of paper. Expressing these emotions on paper and not showing them to anyone is better than speaking them out loud to someone and then regretting it later or, you know, having a bad rep for not being able to handle your emotions. So what's more, um, this, this helps you challenge your reactions to ensure that they are fair and that you're more stable and that you know how to regulate your emotions and that you, that makes you more emotionally intelligent. And this is by, you know, the authors of, um, called, I got this information, some of this information from, um, an article written by Dr. Siegel, Doc, you know, Melinda Smith, Lawrence Robinson, and Jennifer Shubin. So as mentioned before, Emotional intelligence helps with, also helps with social awareness. It helps us be more empathetic towards others. When you can understand emotions, needs, and concerns of other people, you pick up emotional cues, you feel comfortable socially, and you recognize the power dynamics in a group or an organization. Being in tune with your emotions serve as, serves as a social purpose, connecting you to other people and the world around you. Um, social intelligence enables you to recognize friend from foe, measure another person's interest in you, reduce your stress and overwhelm. It balances your nervous system through social communication and it helps you feel loved and happy. Uh, one of the other things that emotional intelligence also does is relationships management. It deepens your relationship with people. You know how to maintain and develop good relationships with people around you. You communicate clearly. You inspire and influence them. And you know how to ban better manage conflict. Becoming aware of how effectively you use nonverbal communication it's impossible to avoid sending nonverbal communication messages to others about what you think and feel. So the many muscles in the face, especially those around your eyes, your nose, your mouth, and your forehead, they help you to wordlessly communicate your own emotions as well as read other people's emotions, emotional intent. So the emotional part of your brain is always on. And even if you ignore its messages, others won't. So recognizing the nonverbal cues can be huge in improving your connection with people and, you know, your relationships with others. One of the other ways to, you know, maintain or develop that, um, the deeper rela relationship management is to use humor and play to relieve stress. Humor, laughter plays a very, they're natural antidotes to stress. They lessen your burdens and help you keep, help you keep things in perspective. Laughter brings your nervous system into balance. It reduces stress. It helps you calm down. It sharpens your mind and it makes you feel more empathetic. Learn to see conflict as an opportunity to grow closer to others. Conflicts and disagreements are inevitable in your relationships with people and avoiding them keeps things unresolved, but learning from them and doing things differently by being and acting different can bring your relationships with others closer. They can make that your relationship stronger. They can teach you to better communicate and learn from what emotions you're feeling. You address them so you don't have to keep feeling them over and over. And 
Imagine if we taught this skill to our children. What would it take uh, look like when they are in relationships with their partners or they grew up in a household where emotional intelligence was fostered and taught? Two people can't possibly have the same needs, opinions, and expectations at all times. However, that does, that's not a bad thing. Resolving conflict is healthy. Constructing ways can strengthen trust between people. So when conflict isn't perceived as threatening or punishing, it fosters freedom, creativity, and safety in relationships, and it makes the relationship stronger and deeper. So remember, no matter what the situation is, you can always choose how you can react to the situation. As a part of uh, your healing journey, one of the biggest things I find myself coaching and helping with my clients is, in, as a part of their healing process, is to teach them emotional intelligence. Emotions are often, like I was mentioning earlier, associated with weakness. And instead of calling someone else weak, look inward and see what you can do to communicate better about what they're feeling or setting boundaries is also important to good, healthy relationships. If somebody is not emotional, quote unquote, or doesn't believe in emotions, then you can set healthy boundaries so you don't continue to get disrespected or continue to get hurt as a result of them being emotionally inept or not that emotionally intelligent. Some of the other things that you can do is... uh, Or one of the other things that I think of emotions as is that emotions are energy in motion and their biochemical messages our brain and subconscious mind produces as an alert system for us to address. Um, so it's really important that, you know, you, you learn emotions because, you know, it's like when someone walks into a room and if they're feeling good or if they're having a good day or if they're, you know, joyous and happy, you can feel that energy. Same thing with, you know, someone who is sad or angry when they come in, you can sense that, you know, slow moving energy and that can be very not fun. One of my biggest reasons for starting this podcast was that, you know, I really feel such a sense of responsibility towards my toddler, who is two and a half years old. And I really think that, you know, I want to leave him in a world that's more kind and more emotionally intelligent and, you know, more empathetic towards other people around him and all his friends and our future generation. I really think I'm big on, you know, intergenerational trauma, which is next week's um, episode. And I really think that we can, if we don't teach our future, if we don't heal and we don't adapt in emotionally intelligent traits, then we cannot teach it because again, our kids more, most likely they do what we do, not do what we say. So if we heal, if we adapt these skills, if we learn to be our better selves, then we can teach them that. And then we can break the, you know, cycles of our cycles and patterns of our intergenerational trauma that we you know, we acquired and then we pass it down. So in order for us to break it, we must heal and we must learn these skills. And then, you know, we can, if, if you already have kids that are a little older, it's never too late to start to teach them what emotions are and, you know, how they can not be afraid of emotions, but they can learn to communicate, um, those things so that they can be better people and be, have better relationships. Because as you know, um, as I've stated before, that studies have shown that, you know, 50% of, um, 
whether we like it or not, depression, anxiety, and PTSD is passed down and it's, we are genetically predisposed to it. So um, 40% of it is our perception of the event. So we're easily triggered into those conditions if we were already genetically predisposed to them. Um, and then 10% is environmental as in what were we taught. So if we were taught emotionally intelligent skills, then, you know, we can alleviate the symptoms much faster and much more easily or prevent some of those mental health conditions for our kids um, if we learn these skills. So I really feel very strongly about this. And just, you know, for us as a generation, I, I, and I want to give you a sneak peek that at some point I'm going to do a course on emotional intelligence and I want to teach that to them. So uh, if you want to be a part of that, please feel free to let me know. So I know to design my content related to this, you know, empathy was one of my highest downloaded episodes, empathy and boundaries. So I'm definitely going to consider doing a course on that because it keeps being a topic that I have to, you know, and uh, teach people over and over. And I have learned that in some of my work. So I really want to teach some of these things to people um, more in depth. But I, I really hope that you got some things from these things of this episode. In any case, it's possible with awareness, practice and consistency to both regulate emotions and reinterpret your feelings. And these things will help us become better um, as people and it'll will have we can have better health as a result of that. It was, you know, studied and some of the, the authors of that study are Big Men, Sheeps and Tamir in 2017. So here are five things that emotionally intelligent people don't do. They don't blame others for their problems. They don't deny, repress, dissociate emotionally and judge others by labeling people weak because they don't know what to do with those big, heavy, uncomfortable emotions. They don't criticize others to make themselves feel better because they operate from a state of ego, which make, which make themselves feel better. So for example, when you call someone dumb, you're implying that you're smarter, which means that it makes you feel good for the time being, but instead of having to address and work on your insecurities or being self-aware about your insecurities so you can communicate with other people more productively about how someone being dumb is affecting you. So the best way to communicate that if if you were applying emotional intelligence skills were I statements such as I feel, you know, sad when you... Uh, name call me because that makes me feel disrespected and I don't appreciate that. So if you were to state that to someone, yeah, it's long-winded, but will it, will the other person appreciate that better than you saying you suck and name call them too as a result of how you're feeling um, and the emotions that are triggered in you? So sure, it takes longer to get your needs in the med, but it strengthens your relationship and you you know, um, it just is overall good for your mental, psychological, and physical well-being. One of the other things that people don't do is that they trap themselves in cycles of stress and anxiety and worry about the future endlessly. They don't self-sabotage as soon as they start to make progress. So I'll leave you with this food for thought, is that we can control the people's actions, but we become more intelligent emotionally intelligent when we learn to control our reactions to other people's actions around us. When we learn to get better at what we need to get better at, addressing our insecurities, addressing our hurt, addressing our shame, addressing, you know, some of those six emotions that I mentioned before, 
and recognizing so we can, and becoming more aware, we can better regulate them to become better human beings. So if you like what you heard today, please rate and review us. And then I'm also going to leave you, you know, um, with some book recommendations. I normally love reading books and I, you know, some, I love recommending the books that I read to you. Um, I do ha- just, just, just a disclaimer that it is an affiliate l- link. So I make a couple bucks out, out of this book. Uh, so if these, this topic resonates with you more, I would encourage you to buy this book if you like it. And, uh, if not, I hope you learn from this episode. Some of the books are Dan by Daniel Goleman. It's called Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Make Matter More Than IQ. The other book I really like is Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and it's dedicated to increase your EQ by giving you 66 plus strategies to become more self-aware, more, you know, more self-management, your relationship management and social awareness. And it was written by Travis Bradbury and Gene Greaves and Patrick Lencioni. And then the third book that I really like is EQ Applied, The Real World Guide to Emotional Intelligence by Justin Bariso. 13 things emotionally intelligent people do. And some of them are, like he says, is not criticize people, praise people, taking a pause, recognizing what you're feeling and being aware. So if you like what you read, um, you know, just leave me a feedback. I would love to hear from you how this helped you and how, you know, you were able to apply this in your life and you raising your EQ um, can help you raise kids who are equally emotionally intelligent and really help them in their uh, future relationships, their social life, their, you know, ability to handle and regulate themselves. We, we can teach emotions and we can teach our kids that it's not a bad thing so they can have deeper connections with people and less conflicts. And even if they do have conflicts, they can learn to resolve those conflicts with other people who are equally just as emotionally intelligent as them. So thank you so much, as usual, for tuning in with me today. I really appreciate you being here. If you haven't subscribed yet, then please go ahead and subscribe so you never have to miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please feel free to share it with your friends or other people that may benefit from this. Thank you so much for being here and I will see you next Tuesday. 